Joshua um, as our secretary. He's also in the college. And our other members are Luke, a student in the college, and Jean, who's a student in the seminary. Um, and we've decided to do something a little bit different this year to let you guys know that we're here to serve you and we want to serve you. Um, so we have some representatives for the college and the seminary for those who are students here on campus and those who are online. So myself, I am um, here for seminary students on campus. Um, and what you can do, or, or what our goal is for all of us, is to be there for you when you have prayer requests. When there are issues that come up, you can bring them to us and we'll uh, bring them to the student council. So yes, I'm representing the students here on campus in the seminary. We have Jean uh, representing the students who are online in the seminary. We have Luke um, here for the students on campus in the college, and uh, also Veronica uh, for the online students in the, in the college. So <laughs> that is us. Uh, so please feel free to contact us, find us if you need prayer, if you need anything to talk about, if you have an issue that you'd like to be, that you would like brought up um, and discussed, then we are here for that. So um, I'm going to get your attention on the screen there. And we have Veronica who has a prayer for us as we begin. God, we're here today to praise you, to remind ourselves that you are the one and only one. You are our Father, our Creator, the Lord Almighty. Today we have a, spe a special message for this congregation. I want to put in your hands every student council representing that you guide them today, God, that, that, that you teach them your ways. As well, I want to pray for the congregation, that they see your power, God, that they see you. I want to pray for the students and for, for the staff as well, because the year is about to finish, and they're coming a lot of exams and papers due. So I just want you to give them your strength, that they know that any worry that they have, they just need to go to you. They don't need anything else, God, just you. All this I put in your hands, God. And I praise you today, and we praise you today, and we thank you today for everything that you have done for us. All this I put in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are. 
worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together, and I just ask that um, you speak uh, through Gene as he shares your message today, and that um, you ready our hearts so that we are able to take in what he's going to say and be able to apply it to our lives. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and I will begin by reading our text for today, which is verses 42 through 47. Again, that's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. 
Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word um, and the freedom to learn it and to, to teach it. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, touch my lips and touch everyone's hearts and ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we just read was the ending of that amazing chapter uh, in Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the birth of the Christian church. Before we look at verses 42 through 47, let's have a short recap on what happened up until that point. Jesus was crucified and buried, but rose again from the grave. He showed himself alive to his disciples for several weeks before ascending to heaven. He commanded his disciples to preach the good news of his salvation to the world and to make disciples of the nations. He promised to send the Holy Spirit who would touch people's hearts and then point them to Jesus. The Holy Spirit would empower the disciples to be effective witnesses starting at Jerusalem and then to the rest of the world. In the book of Acts, Jesus' disciples were praying in Jerusalem in anticipation of the Holy Spirit. And here in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit finally arrives on the day of Pentecost, filling all 120 disciples. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit and preached the gospel of the risen Christ to a curious crowd, resulting in 3,000 souls repenting and being baptized in Jesus. Not only was this the first official church community, but they experienced the salvation of 3,000 souls in one day. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, concludes this account of Pentecost with a sort of summary or conclusion, which is today's passage, verses 42 through 47. In these verses, we will see what the first church community did as uh, church did as a community after the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the reason behind Christ's pouring of the Spirit. These are still applicable for today, and I believe we will be blessed by learning what it's like to be a community of Christ's followers. Uh, for now, I will look at verse 42. I'll read it again. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. The first church community in Jerusalem was made up of Jesus' original disciples, plus the 3,000 Jewish pilgrims who came to Jerusalem from many places. They were there for the Feast of Pentecost. Notice that the church obeyed Jesus' command to make disciples. They did not do an altar call only to part ways with the new believers. Instead, they did four things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So what was the apostles' teaching? For one thing, it was what Jesus taught directly to his 12 disciples and the first followers during his earthly ministry. In the Great Commission, Jesus commanded his disciples to teach believers to observe all things I have commanded you. And here, we see the church doing exactly that. We must remember that the teachings of Jesus were not just some new religious practices, because 
Jesus is the way, he's the truth and the life. His teachings are deeply rooted in who he is. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 says he both did and taught. He lived out what he was teaching, and his life is the prime example of how we as Christians should live our lives. His teachings are recorded in the Gospels, but the Apostles' teaching includes the rest of Scripture. After Jesus rose from the dead, he opened the disciples' understanding of Scripture. They were filled with a new realization of what the Old Testament was saying all along, that God was preparing his ultimate salvation to come into the world namely through his son, Jesus, to save sinners and bring them back in relationship with him. After Pentecost, the church made disciples by both teaching about Jesus, and they helped new converts understand that they now belong in God's community. This leads us to the second thing the church did. They demonstrated how to live in God's community by intentionally engaging in fellowship. Often we think fellowship is about something the church does. For example, we might think of fellowship as having some social activity in the church. However, in the New Testament, fellowship also means our identity as a covenant group or community because of what Christ has accomplished for us. Those who are saved by Christ and are born again belong to the body of believers we call the church. So the church is not a building. It's not a denomination or organization. Paul uses the analogy of Christ's body in which all true believers of Christ are a part of. There is one body and one common faith in Christ. Fellowship includes gathering together for exhortation so that we as the body of Christ may be edified in love. Those who are God's children are all heirs and partakers of Christ. By faith in Christ, we have spiritually entered into into fellowship with God and his children. Fellowship, of course, does include activities, as verse 42 states, that the church was also breaking bread. The picture I see is the disciples eating together like one big family. Verse 46 says they had gladness and simplicity of heart. That doesn't necessarily mean the church was a picture-perfect family. And we find later in Acts chapter 6 that conflict does, in fact, come to the community. Still, the church overcame those challenges and fellowship continued. Verse 46 also says they met daily both at the temple and in homes. And you begin to see the community of Christians did not separate church life from their home life. They were a tight-knit community. And their communal meals reminds me of how Jesus shared life with his disciples by teaching them all day, eating with them, and traveling with them. In Jerusalem, the church did the same, meeting up on a daily basis instead of just once or twice a week. The final thing the church practiced was prayer. During his earthly ministry, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray by using the Lord's Prayer as an example. His disciples learned aspects of prayer, such as praying with sincerity and perseverance. Jesus came back, uh, after Jesus came back alive, there was a new dimension of prayer. And especially in the book of Acts, we see the church praying in unity, single-mindedness, and with boldness from the Holy Spirit. Answer prayer often came to the church in the form of miraculous signs and wonders. When the church prays with radical unity and love, we begin to see Jesus show up powerfully in our midst, and he still continues to heal the sick, deliver from demons, and raise the dead. So once again, the first church community at Jerusalem 
continued teaching the word of teaching the word of God, fellowshipping, and having communal meals and praying together. Throughout, throughout Acts, Luke often uses the expression, they continued steadfastly, or they continually devoted themselves to. So the church did so here in verse 42, being both intentional and nonstop in gathering together for a word, fellowship, and in prayer. They were basically sold out for Jesus and the gospel. The result of the community's passion is seen in the last verse, verse 47. Let's look at verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. God was being glorified. Others in Jerusalem began to see something different with the community of Christ's disciples, and they were drawn towards the light of Jesus shining through his children. More were being saved every day. The four things mentioned in verse 42 was not a church program, but rather a passion for the Lord and love for each other. It edified the church and opened the way for more souls to join Christ's family of believers. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, As the word grew, the church also grew. In the closing of Acts, there's also an underlying idea that Luke is conveying. If you look closely in your Bibles, some themes are repeated in the passage. For example, souls being added to the church is in both verses 41 and 47. Fellowship and breaking bread is in both 42 and 46. This is called a chiasm. And a chiasm is a literary technique used in, especially in the Old Testament. A chiasm in a chiasm, similar sentences mirror each other except for one central idea that stands on its own. The central idea here is in verses 44 and 45, which reads, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. The church surrendered their personal possessions these people were the same group that was convicted by Peter's message in verse 37. The risen Lord was speaking through Peter's message, and they responded by asking the disciples, what shall we do? Their question sounds a lot like the rich young ruler who approached Jesus one day and asked, what shall I do to enter into eternal life? Jesus told the rich young ruler to surrender his possessions and follow him. Luke, who not only wrote the book of Acts, also wrote his gospel, and the Holy Spirit inspired him to highlight certain themes in both of his writings. One thing he emphasizes in his gospel is the idea of full surrender. Jesus' reply to the rich young ruler has a wording that is unique to Luke's gospel. When the rich young ruler asked Jesus, what shall I do? Jesus told him, sell all that you have. This is similar to another, unique, uh, another verse unique to Luke's gospel. Luke 14.33, Jesus said, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Sadly, that rich young ruler did not forsake all to follow Jesus, and indeed he went away sad. On the other hand, when the audience at Pentecost asked, What shall we do? They listened to the Lord's call to follow him and proved it by repenting and being baptized. Luke, um, in verses 44 and 45, they further demonstrated 
their obedience by surrendering all that was in their hands for the sake of the gospel. Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, concludes the chapter on Pentecost by highlighting the united heart seen in the community of Christ. He shows Christ's followers as true disciples, surrendering all. So in the conclusion of Acts chapter 2, we saw that the church was devoutly committed to learning and growing in the word of God. They fellowshiped, shared meals together, and selflessly shared their belongings and their lives. Luke's conclusion also shows why the Holy Spirit was given. Pentecost happened so that Jesus could raise up radical, selfless selfless disciples who who show sacrificial life, love to each other, and to the world. Romans 5.4 says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That same sacrificial love was poured out at Pentecost on the first church community and is here on us today. As Jesus laid down his life for others, will you do the same? Will you surrender everything in your life so that others may live? Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so grateful for your uh, salvation, for your sacrificial love that you've sh- you um, showed on the cross and you poured out your spirit uh, so that we can do the same. We pray that uh, you would show in our hearts areas that we're not surrendering. Uh, Give us the grace to uh, surrender everything and follow you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we continue Student Council Chapel, one of the things we are desiring to do today is to have a little bit of community time. And so if you're joining us online first, I'd like to say thank you for joining us online. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're able to hear for the words from Jean and be a part of the worship. We're going to finish the recording for the student council chapel now so that we can break into groups here at the actual chapel.